0: Ambulances race across cities in Brazil. The grave digging doesn't stop in Brazil.
1: Throughout the pandemic, Brazil has been making headlines across the world. Brazil's
2: death toll in the coronavirus pandemic surpassed 400,000.
1: The largest country in Latin
0: America, accounting for over 600,000 deaths so far.
1: And many are blaming President Jair Bolsonaro for these deaths.
0: From the beginning, President Jair Bolsonaro opposed a nationwide lockdown, blocked mask mandates and social distancing requirements, and denied the virus's gravity.
1: Now, a Brazilian Senate committee has released a report recommending the president be indicted for nine crimes related to his handling of the coronavirus pandemic.
0: Brazilian senators introducing a 1,200-page report investigating President Jair Bolsonaro's handling
1: of the pandemic. Crimes against humanity, forging documents, incitement to crime. And the panel wants Mr. Bolsonaro to face nine charges over failing to control the virus. Will the Brazilian president meet the same fate as his predecessors and be impeached or even jailed? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. To help us answer that question, we caught up with Al Jazeera's reporter on the ground in Rio de Janeiro.
2: My name is Monica Yanakiev.
1: So you have been covering Brazil for quite some time, living in the country for years. The latest headlines about the president are pretty shocking. Can you tell us, how did this inquiry against President Jair Bolsonaro by a Senate investigative committee start? What crimes is he accused of?
2: Well, this started six months ago, and it started because the number of Brazilians dying was growing and growing until Brazil became second in the world in terms of pandemic death toll after the United States. And it wasn't just that the pandemic itself was spreading in a country that has a large population, but it was the fact that the government had no policy to fight it. In the end, he was accused of nine different crimes They go from charlatanism, which is he was peddling unproved medicine to treat COVID-19. He's a big fan of hydroxychloroquine, for example. He told Brazilians that if people took it, they really didn't need the vaccine.
1: The Senate inquiry also points out corruption. It says that the Brazilian government made a deal to buy a vaccine from India, Covaxin, that was unapproved by the WHO at the time at suspiciously higher cost, according to reports, while stalling on the purchase of other vaccines.
2: But the most serious crime would be crimes against humanity. And that is because what Brazilian senators agreed upon was that the government deliberately let COVID-19 spread throughout the country in an attempt to achieve herd immunity and to revive the economy.
1: Crimes Against Humanity includes policies that are purposely committed against civilians in moments of crisis. And the panel in the Brazilian Senate called for the charges because they believe the president's words and actions live up to that definition. Can you remind us of some of the things Bolsonaro has said or done when it comes to the pandemic?
2: So Bolsonaro has always made the headlines for comments that showed not only no empathy whatsoever, but they were pretty shocking. It started out with him saying that this disease wasn't serious. It was a little flu. He also, when reporters were insisting and saying, you know, all these people are dying, why is nobody doing anything? And he said, So
0: what? What do you want me to do? My middle name is Messiah, but I can't do miracles.
2: When it came to vaccinating, the pharmaceutical company Pfizer had sent emails to Brazil offering vaccines. Many of them went unanswered. And what Bolsonaro tried to justify was that Pfizer, in the contract, had waived responsibilities on any side effects of these vaccines. Well, he said, you know, what they're basically saying is that you may become an alligator if you take the vaccine. Uh, A man may end up having a very feminine voice. A woman may end up growing beards, and they're not responsible for that. The alligator part obviously was seen as a joke. But what does affect people is thinking that somehow a vaccine may affect your sexual drive, gender-related issues. That, in Brazil, does have an effect. Well, you know, it made a lot of people think twice about having the vaccine. And then last but not least, the president still went on social media and posted a video where he said that people in the U.K. that had taken two doses of a vaccine had been more predisposed to catching AIDS than others. Fifteen days after the second dose,
0: they're developing the immunodeficiency syndrome faster than what was expected.
1: The president's claim was untrue. But HIV/AIDS carries a lot of stigma in Brazil. YouTube and Facebook took down the president's video hours after he published it. All of this is despite the fact that Bolsonaro himself was diagnosed with COVID-19 last year. His symptoms were mild. Just recently in October, he said during an interview that he had decided not to get vaccinated.
2: So he has been going around the world saying that he hasn't been vaccinated. And in New York for the General Assembly, he went and he had a pizza outside because he couldn't go inside because he wasn't vaccinated. (laughs) But for him,
1: that's good. And for his supporters, it shows what a a macho man he is. So you spoke to the president of the Senate COVID-19 panel. What did he tell you?
2: So Senator Omar Aziz, when they finally had the draft and they recommended that Bolsonaro be charged with these nine crimes, he said, don't expect anything now because it's not like we're recommending that he be charged and he will be charged. The crimes of responsibility, which are one of, these, of, of the crimes that, that were recommended, this should be treated by Congress and he should be impeached. The other crimes, since he is a president, he's an elected official, they're taken to the Attorney General, Brazil's Attorney General, must look at them and must decide one by one what what they're going to do. So they can't just sit on it.
1: If the Attorney General does nothing, we'll go to the Supreme Court and also to the International Court of Justice at The Hague. We will continue to put pressure to make sure justice is done.
2: He has 30 days to give an answer and say, I agree or I do not, and explain why. And the crimes against humanity would be something to be taken to the
1: international court. But Monica says the likelihood of the president being charged is slim because he carries a lot of political influence. The attorney
2: general was picked by Bolsonaro himself, and so his tendency would be not to rule against the president. But... He can't just not do anything about it. The impeachment, Bolsonaro has still support in the House of Representatives, and it is the president of the House of Representatives that must decide whether or not to accept an impeachment request. And he's a Bolsonaro ally. There are already 130 impeachment requests, which have been sitting in, in the drawers until now. So it's not very likely that he will look at it.
1: So I want to make sure I got that right. 130 other requests for impeachment are sitting in a drawer someplace not being looked at. Yeah. So even if this one was to be taken up, would it be first? Would it be last? What do you make of that? I think
2: none of them would be accepted. They all accuse Bolsonaro basically of not being responsible for saving the lives of Brazilians or protecting Brazilians. Now, this is a political process. It's an impeachment like the United States. It's a political judgment, so it depends on lawmakers whether they're going to judge the president for whatever crime he has committed. And the way we see it now is there aren't enough votes in Congress to start this process. Now, things can always change, but so far, the outlook is that he
1: will not be impeached. So as part of this process, the Senate COVID-19 panel heard pretty chilling testimony from people who had lost loved ones due to COVID and also from health workers who were struggling with overflowing hospitals. So can you tell me more about what happened there? The most chilling
2: testimonies came at the very end.
1: The boy at the funeral home said he had too many bodies to take care of. So we only managed to say a quick prayer for the man who taught us to be the women we are today. Until then, we were
2: talking a lot about numbers. 100,000, 200,000, until we got to 600,000. They were numbers, and now there were faces to these numbers. A bit of common sense in humanity on the part of those who govern us could have helped avoid such tragedy in the Amazon. Another testimony is about this man. He's a taxi driver. His name is Maso Antonio do Nascimento. And he became a symbol. And I spoke to him over on several occasions. He lost his son. It was at the very beginning of the pandemic.
0: The last time I saw Hugo, he was in a hospital bed. I waved at him showing I was there for him. He waved back, but an hour later, he sent me a message on WhatsApp telling me that he was losing his strength. He would not make it.
2: His son was young. It was at a time when everybody thought that only people over 60 were at risk. His son was healthy, there was nothing wrong. Then he got COVID himself and he was recovering. And meanwhile, Brazil was starting to reach the 100,000 dead. And this NGO, as a symbol of awareness, went to the beach, dug these graves and put some crosses on them. It was a very dramatic picture. And Bolsonaro supporters would be running or jogging along the beach, would, would say, oh, this is fake news, this is the media, the media is exaggerating everything. And one Bolsonaro supporter was very vocal about his anger at the media for reporting this and just went and started kicking down the crosses one by
1: one wow. Marcio, the father who lost his son, was passing by and saw what was happening so he started fixing the crosses he just acted on the spur of the moment he rushed
2: over and he started picking them one by one
3: no, I didn't know what I
0: The Bolsonaro supporters started calling me a communist. I didn't even know what it meant. But I know I never want to turn into somebody who's unable to respect pain and loss.
2: And then, when Brazil did reach the 100,000 dead, he was called to the second ceremony where they were going to release these red balloons. And he went there with a picture of his son. And I was there and I'd see people pass, and they'd be saying, oh, don't you trust the media, this is all an invention. Hmm. And he would go, he'd get very angry, he'd get the picture of his son, shove it in the face of whoever was saying it, and say, look, this is my son. Do you think he's an
1: invention? He's dead and he's 25. Wow. During the inquiry, Marcio was invited to talk about his son in front of the Senate. This is what he said. The
0: last moment I had with my son, which was when I had to identify him, he was in a bag. He was in a bag. As a father, it was the last thing I had to do for him. So I hope that when this report arrives in the hands of the people that have to receive it, they will discuss what we all said here because we're not politicians. We're people that have lived through this and suffered from it.
1: Wow, that is heavy, but it's also so eye-opening on what things are like in Brazil right now. Are vaccines now readily available? Has anything changed since the beginning of that story? Well, yes. The inquiry, as a matter
2: of fact, the the senators that led the inquiry, they say, and they're right that it already did produce an effect. Until the inquiry began, what you had on the press was Bolsonaro saying it's a little flu. And it was like scientists on television saying different things that didn't agree with what the president said. But there was no institution on behalf of the whole country, fighting back what the president was saying. This was the first time an institution stood by the victims and this inquiry was transmitted every day live. So it served as an awareness campaign. So yes, vaccination has picked up, but as what the Senate inquiry said is, it came a bit too late. Maybe it would have saved thousands of lives had it started earlier.
1: So since this inquiry started in April, Bolsonaro's popularity has fallen from 33 to about 22%. So how is the president confronting this reality and what are people saying?
2: First, he supporter organized rallies in favor of him to show, and that's what Bolsonaro has always said, that he has the support in the streets. You go on the streets and you see the Bolsonaro supporters because they'd have these motorcycle rallies and a whole bunch of motorcycles together do make a lot of noise. So in the end, you ended up having motorcycle rallies on one side and protesters on the other side on foot to show that the majority of the Brazilians were against this. Now, one might ask, What made him so popular until now, if nothing was working, if people were dying, if people were jobless because unemployment went up, a record high, 14%. Inflation went up, 10% a year, which is a lot for Brazil. Hunger, Brazil had been out of the hunger map for a long time, and it was back again. So why would Bolsonaro still have that popularity, and the reason was because at the beginning of the pandemic, Brazil gave out very generous handouts. Now, with the inflation going up, even a very generous paycheck doesn't compensate. So by the end of 2020, you had no more paychecks. The economy was still in shambles. The pandemic was far from over because then a second wave started, and that's when its popularity started dropping. Add to that an inquiry that starts saying things that everybody already knew, that he downplayed the pandemic, but now there's also corruption. And so everything he promised in his campaign wasn't working out. He promised that he would be an honest president compared to his predecessors. And then that wasn't the case anymore.
1: What is the alternative here? Who is his biggest political opponent today? Is there one?
2: Yes, there is one, his biggest opponent is former president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, who is the leader of the Workers' Party in Brazil. He had been president for two terms. His government was the one that really fought poverty in Brazil. The economy was doing great. Since in Brazil, as in the U.S., you can't be elected for a third term, he picked his uh, successor, who was Dilma Rousseffi, and she got elected for her second term as well. But by then, The Workers' Party was involved in this corruption scandal known as the car wash scandal, which involved Petrobras, which is a state-owned oil company. And all that really bursted at a time and made Brazilians very angry. That's what made protesters take to the streets just wanting the Workers' Party out. And that led to Dilma Rousseff's impeachment And that is what helped elect Bolsonaro because Lula was charged with corruption and he couldn't uh, run in the 2018 elections. So now Lula is back. Now he can run in the next year's elections and that will really polarize Brazil.
1: The cracks of that polarization are already starting to show whether from the divided views on the pandemic and Bolsonaro's handling of it, to whether or not he should remain president come elections next year. So we tapped someone in Brazil who could give us a glimpse at what this could all mean for the country's political future.
3: My name is Claudio Couto. I'm a political scientist, and I teach political science at the Getúlio Vargas Foundation in São Paulo.
1: Claudio told us that if the elections occurred today, former president Lula da Silva, would be elected. But the political landscape could be different next year. And many people in Brazil are looking for a different type of candidate.
3: People are looking for what we call in Brazil a third-way candidate. That is, a candidate that's not Lula or Bolsonaro, that's not the far-right candidate that Bolsonaro is, neither the classical left-wing candidate that Lula is. And so some candidate in the center, right to the center, perhaps left to the center, but much more likely. Uh, a moderate right candidate. Polls showed that perhaps 30% of the Brazilian voters they want to have a third-way candidate. But the point is, we have the demand for such a candidate, but we don't have the supply for such a candidate. —
1: Claudio said that this candidate, or candidates, need to have a more center-moderate position to become competition, and that so far, none of the other presidential hopefuls fall into that category
3: if these candidates are candidates from the center to the moderate right. That is, candidates that uh, have an appeal to voters who voted for Bolsonaro also for ideological reasons, because they uh, agree with Bolsonaro's right-wing positions.
1: And for Claudio, that candidate needs to be able to point out Bolsonaro's mistakes, like the mishandling of the pandemic and his inability to fight corruption.
3: Any candidate who is capable of appointing that, showing that he would be a better candidate or she would be a better candidate, well, can present himself as a, a better alternative. And so to obtain a part of Bolsonaro's votes, the votes that he still has today, but perhaps he won't have next year.
1: Monica, since the possibility of charges being filed against Bolsonaro seems to be pretty low, if he's not indicted, was this all for nothing? What's left for the thousands of families affected by the loss of loved ones due to the mishandling of the pandemic in Brazil?
2: (laughs) No, it was not for nothing. First of all, because it did speed up the vaccination. Second, because Bolsonaro isn't the only one that they recommend charges be brought against. There are two companies and over 70 people, former ministers, ministers that are now in the the government. All those people, the committee also recommended that they be charged for different crimes. And Bolsonaro, he may be reelected, and he may not. And once he's not, he, he still has to respond to those charges. And it will no longer be with the attorney general. He'll just go to the regular judiciary system. So, yes, it does have consequences. First, because it raised awareness. Also, it did stop corruption schemes from prospering.
1: Have you spoken to Marcio? Yes. What does this mean for him and for, for people like him?
2: He thinks that something will come out of this. He says it also made people more conscious about voting. Don't just vote on anyone, because you may end up with uh, Bolsonaro, like that odd figure that nobody thought would be elected president, but did. So be more conscious next time you go to vote. And he thinks this inquiry, that's what it helped.
1: And that's The Take... This episode was produced by Ney Alvarez, with Ruby Zaman, Nageen Oliay, Priyanka Tobey, Alexandra Locke, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya al is our engagement producer. Tom Fenton is our story editor. And Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer. Special thanks to Lorena Arroyo and Nayara Calaraga. We'll be back.